0: Welcome to the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influtive, where we talk with customer-obsessed people to uncover how you can be more customer-focused. I'm your host, Dan Kalmar. Today, I'm joined by Steve George. In the last 20-plus years, Steve has created thousands of campaigns, community, and marketing programs and led teams across every geography. He's worked in HR tech, FinTech, and MarTech, and draws the similarities and differences from these industries to create unique experiences for every community he serves. Currently, Steve is the Global Director of Customer Marketing and Community at Insider, the ninth unicorn startup in B2B SaaS and the fastest growing MarTech platform. Insider's advocacy program has helped it maintain its leadership on G2 for the last 20, yes, two zero quarters, rise to the leadership quadrant on Gartner, and has won the top spot on Forrester's personalization wave and IDC's CDP report. Steve's programs range from targeted CXO campaigns, customer advisory boards, and loyalty programs to large-scale customer events featuring the likes of Sir Richard Branson, Barack Obama, Sir Martin Sorrell, Simon Sinek, and David Ching. Today, Steve and I chatted about customer advocacy programs, why they're important, and how to grow them. Steve has great insights into how to start small and prove out these initiatives before going all-in. He also shares advice on choosing the right person to lead an advocacy program, on different job types you might need to hire for as you grow, and his three-step framework for building a program. Hey, Steve, welcome to the All About the Customer podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Dan. It is a pleasure to be here.
0: So we're going to talk about scaling advocacy programs today, but I'd, I'd love to start off talking about why you think customer advocacy programs are a good investment in the first place. Because if they're not a good investment, who really cares about scaling them? We probably don't need the rest of the time here. We can just, we can just cut it short. You scale them down is the answer. So why do you think customer advocacy programs are such a good investment?
1: You know, this is such an amazing question to ask and start this off with, because I've been living and breathing, <laughs> thinking customer marketing, customer advocacy for the longest time right now. But let me start by pulling on this thread. December 2021, there was this lovely quote from Shantanu Narayan, the, the chairman and CEO of Adobe, and he said this, Adobe's vision, category leadership, groundbreaking technology, and large and loyal customer base, hold on to that thought, large and loyal customer base, Position us well for the fiscal 2022 and beyond. Now, this was during his presentation of uh, Adobe's your plan. I took that as a very simple line and said, okay, most companies in the B2B space focus on category leadership. Okay, we want to be the best marketing technology out there, best fintech out there, best HR tech out there. Okay, most other companies focus on developing the technology. Great. How many of The people listening to this podcast right now, do you think invest, and by that the greater part of the B2B SaaS space, invest in developing their customer base and making loyalty and advocacy a part of their overall business strategy? That unfortunate number is anywhere between 10 to 15% globally, and that's scary. I'll bring into this a few different stats that I'll open during the whole podcast. But think of this. In most companies, if you're over 3 to 5 years old and more mature, 60 to 80% of your revenue comes from your existing customers. And I'm talking about companies who've got a valid program uh, platform or or technology out there, valid service have got some customers in in their back pocket, 100 and plus, okay? If you're below 100 customers, yes, you should think of customer marketing, but it's not wholly relevant for you right now because you're more focused on lead gen. If you've got 100 customers and plus, if you are above three to five years of age in company terms, you should invest in a solid customer advocacy program, and I'll tell you why. 75% of your advocates are more likely to share their experience, right? So if you've got 100 customers, you've got at least the chance of having 65 to 75 of those customers if they were advocates talking about their experience using your product. Now, the reality is you're not going to turn every one of your customers into an advocate. Okay. Unfortunately, without doing anything, you don't have to have a customer advocacy team, customer marketing, you don't need to have even a program in place. By doing nothing, just by having customer success team doing their job the way they're supposed to be doing it, you're likely to have one advocate out of every hundred customers. That means these are the guys who would give you that NPS report that you want to see or NPS survey or CSAT that you want to see about how the customer is feeling. These are the guys who would give you that testimonial. Now, one out of a hundred, Customers is a very unfortunate number, right? So that's 1% of advocate, which is a very unfortunate thing to see. So if you want to focus on whatever your advocacy goals are, case studies, everything else, you want to have an advocacy program. Let me give you a little bit more frightening number
0: here. More frightening than the, the 15% number? that Because I'm already scared.
1: It's crazy. And these are, by the, these are, Open to public, it's there, out there. You know, McKinsey to every other reporting company has put out the stats there. You can also see it in the public companies on how much they're investing in customer marketing or how much they gain from retained customers. The data is out there. It only takes you to read through it. Advocates are 50% more likely to influence purchase. So regardless of the lead gen pipeline you've got, 70 to 80% of your marketing budgets, which are going to these lead gen purposes, field marketing, advertising, it could be on different events that you do, campaigns you run, marketing technologies that you have, right, 70 to 80% of your budget, and that can be a lot of money, goes to waste if you do not have a customer referral, case study, testimonial, a G2 review, or a Gartner review, any of these small assets, in your middle and your bottom of the funnel campaign nurtures. They all go to waste. That's how much power customer advocacy has. 50% of your new leads are influenced by a customer referral or a customer testimonial. Let me go into one more interesting fact there. Customer marketing generates more than two times the sales in a company that has customer marketing, right? It generates two times the sales than you would do through paid advertising. So your cost per engagement, your cost per click, your cost per acquisition of one customer is far higher than working on an upsell expansion program or a retention program with your existing customer. Because you know that money <laughs> is in the bank because the customer is already bought into what you are selling. So all you need to do is make sure the experience, the advocacy that you have with them is always up. The emotional engagement that they have with your customer success team and your marketing team is always up. Funny, but you know how we forget to, to notice these things is funny in a very wrong way to me, right? I urge everyone to read this book by Fred Reicheld. He published a book in, in 2006 called The Ultimate Question, in which he noted that a 12 point increase in your NPS leads to doubling companies' rate of growth. Now, a lot of experts since then, a lot of statistical reports since then have shown, and I've reframed this a bit, a 12% increase in your advocacy is equal to two times the growth, revenue growth in your company per fiscal year. And this is a frightening number to overlook. So that's why I say you cannot overlook customer advocacy. Even if you are a pre IPO company, if you are in your series B or C funding round, you should be thinking about your customer and you should be thinking about a customer advocacy program.
0: I think that those later numbers when you talk about the impact that all of this can have, it makes that first number of around 15% of companies doing this both scary, but also I think for people listening, that's also an opportunity, right? Like if this is so impactful, and not a lot of people are doing it, that that's the type of thing that you want to invest in, right? Like you want to invest in the things that your competitors aren't doing, or if they're doing it, they aren't doing it correctly.
1: Oh, I love you brought up competitors. Yes, uh, I'll I'll go into this as we go deeper and deeper into this conversation, but without customer advocacy, companies lose out on social proof. How the hell do you show that a company is using a product if you cannot rightfully put a representative of the company and say, hey guys, I love using your product. I have been baffled by how I could not have been working with you in the past, or you see the revenue increase or the business impact your product has been giving to me or the value of the support that you guys give all of that is to not if you don't have a customer advocacy program right how do you how do you bring about that your brand positioning is impacted heavily without a customer advocacy program you don't really have a customer referral program or a voice of customer program that is impartial without one so all your peer review sites like g2 gartner or your analyst relations where you're working with IDC and Forrester or similar platforms. They don't know anything about how your customers use you if they don't have access or if you don't have access to customer advocates.
0: Where do we begin with all of this? We're gonna talk about scaling this up, but you need something to scale up. So if somebody listening to this has bought into this, they don't have a customer advocacy program. What are those first initial steps that they can take to kind of prove this out and get the wheels in motion?
1: since the beginning of this year, since I I heard Shantanu talk about customer marketing and customer success at Adobe, it kept pulling into my mind, right? How are other companies doing it? Those 15% of companies out there, how are they doing it? So it trickles down to this, right? When you start building a program, you work on three pillars. What are your goals with customer advocacy? Without a clear definition of your goal, you're basically trying to, to shoot an arrow in the dark and hope it will hit a target that you are more happy with. Secondly, who would you trust to lead or drive? And this is going to be something I really want to focus on as well. Who would you trust to lead or drive this customer advocacy program? And thirdly, how do you define a customer advisory board or a customer advocacy board? It can go in both ways, and I'll explain where this, this particular um, idea comes from as well. Uh, So let's break down those three pillars. Uh, What are your goals with customer advocacy? In most companies that I've seen where they have a customer advocacy program which is less than 18 months old or the team has a high turnover rate, unfortunately that happens as well, it's because they don't have a very clear vision of what they want to do. But let's say in the first 18 months, it's mostly case studies. Improving or increasing your NPS responses. Uh, number of reviews. And by the way, nowadays, your reviews on impartial sites like G2 and Gartner, I'll bring that up quite a bit for B2B, SaaS companies especially, is very important. Every company out there, including the legacy companies like GE and Schneider Electric, they are also becoming tech companies. And they have their profiles in G2 and Gartner, which is very, very proud of right now. So yes, it's so number of reviews on peer review sites to improve and increase that. And of course, the number of video testimonials or customer referrals that you've got. These are your basic goals for a customer advisory board or a customer advocacy program. That's when you start going and looking at who should I ask to lead or drive this program. When I say lead, not everyone needs to have a director of customer marketing, customer advocacy. And this is a little contrarian Belief here right now. If you are testing the waters up, you don't have a set procedure, process, or infrastructure in place to build out a hugely scalable customer advocacy program. Don't go inviting a customer marketing director in your company. You will frustrate them and you will not know how to kind of justify having them on the program. You want to have executors before you get to that side of things. You want to start testing how it's working in your company before you get someone as big as that. So think of using your CMOs to drive the goal and the vision and break that down into processes, and then look at it hiring at least one customer marketing professional, which I know is a rare breed. So (laughs) to make it easier on you, look at the skill sets that they need to do that job. In most cases, you already have those people in your company. These could be field marketers in your own company who are quick to create relationships, who understand your product better, who know exactly what the market is like and can use your customers better. And I say use in a very, very light term here to utilize the knowledge that they have, the customer referrals that they've got into case studies, into testimonials, et cetera, and to kind of guide them through that path. Or if you don't have a very strong field marketing team, think of your customer success team members, your managers who've been with you for a little longer, who know how to communicate, or your account managers who understand how to communicate with customers. That's all there is really to it, to set up the goals and create a small team or at least one person to lead and test out the waters. And this is literally that something that will take you two quarters to three quarters to validate that this is an improvement from what you've been doing before and how you're already improving on your uh, on your brand positioning, competitor analysis, on your social proof with your customer advisory board or customer advocacy board.
0: Steve mentioning that it can take only two to three quarters to prove this out is really interesting. You know, to do customer advocacy right, it's definitely a long game. It requires a commitment to this vision and the proper investment of resources. But I love Steve's idea for testing this out in a fairly low-risk way. And let me just ask a quick question on the, the hiring side of things. You mentioned you don't necessarily need, you know, probably don't start off with a director of customer advocacy or customer marketing, or whatever it might be. But do you think you need to have a dedicated full-time person to this to test this out? Or can you get away with somebody who is also doing other things on the marketing team or CS team, maybe?
1: This now comes down to the goal that you have. So, for example, let me whittle this down to a little bit of numbers, right? If you want to do one customer case study a quarter, sure, you can have your field marketer do both field marketing and do that. But if this person has got, let's say, 10 case studies a quarter, 15 reviews a quarter, creating a customer advisory board, engaging them over time every single month, breaking down the questions everyone has for customers, all that, then you need a dedicated person. So it depends on the volume of work you have within the goals that you've set. That makes sense.
0: And so once you've got these goals for it, you've got somebody who's you know, probably dedicated to this, to, to testing this out. You mentioned then working with that customer advisory board or some of these core groups of customers, like what are they doing in that initial days to prove out if this is working? Like how are they getting those people together or they're not even getting those people together, they're just like tapping them individually on the shoulder?
1: I have to tell you, I am so glad we are in a highly virtual world right now because you could have a customer marketing manager for an entire region like EMEA or APAC or LATAM plus US because you don't have to physically be there for every single engagement point with your customer advisory board. But let's go to how do you select your customer advisory board first? You have the goals, you have the person to do the job. Now you've got to figure out what you're going to be doing with the customers, how you're going to select, who's going to be giving those case studies, who's going to be part of those different goals, right? To make it very, very simple, let's segment your customers into three tiers. Tier one are your enterprise brands, the big name brands, high growth value brands, the Nikes of the world. They are the Apples of the world that you definitely want to say, hey, these guys work with me. Tier one. Tier two are your engaged, already strong, lenient customers who are pro your product, pro your platform, pro your services, pro your customer support team. And these are mostly, unfortunately, in this day and age, it is the SMBs and not enterprises. These are where you have CXOs in your business review meetings who are telling you the direction they want to take with your product, who are telling you how happy they are, the ones who are filling out your NPS forms and going, you know what, guys, I really like this. I would like for you to develop another product like this. That's the kind of tier two customers you want to hold dear and near to your heart. And tier three is everybody else for right now. So forget tier three for now. If you're setting something up, your tier one and tier two are the ones you want to create a customer advisory board from. From my tier one, these are the big enterprises, I try to look at 5% of my tier one and say, can I turn this 5% into a customer advocate? Simple, right? And from my tier two, I look at 20%. That's the bulk of my numbers. And I'll tell you how you motivate them to do something for you in the future as we go through the questions, but, uh, This is where you start segmenting based on answers from your sales team, your country managers. If you're doing cross geography and cross country customer advisory boards, you're speaking to your customer success teams. This is how you start selecting. Then you start inviting. And the third step is of course, you start asking of them, requesting of them to do separate work of what a customer advisory board does. And this is again, matched up back to the goals you have. Number of cases. You cannot ask every single person in your cab to do a case study. Highly wrong. You have to be able to split that out to, I have an industry event in two months time. I would love to have a tier one customer speak at that event. I need a case study in the food and beverage industry I need to first look at my tier one or tier two customers and see if they have more than one request for that quarter. And that's how you break down, how you request things of your customers. You need to track this down in a very diligent manner so that no one feels that they are being over asked or overused, right? So so you have to be able to manage the balance of request versus what do they get in return.
0: Steve's talking here about not over-asking our advocates, not bugging them too much. Our podcast episode with Jane Menyo from Gong is worth listening to if you're interested in this topic. She has this idea of balancing what she calls high-calorie and low-calorie asks of our customers to ensure this advocacy burnout doesn't happen. How do you take this to the next step? what, What is that next step beyond just that initial cab that you might have that you've tapped into? Something
1: that you may know about me, Dan, is that I come from an events industry. I've been running events for about 20 years now. I know I feel old. I shaved my face today, so I don't look as old as,
0: as, as I am, so. You must have started when you were five years old or something, you, you can't be more than <laughs> 25.
1: I, I wish I was that smart. Uh, my son, maybe. <laughs> me, mm. uh, So I started in the events industry, the, the B2B conferences industry. One of the best things I did working with companies like IQPC, was that they had this process called creating a speaker advisory board or a conference advisory board. And what that did was it gave you a list of industry professionals or vertical professionals who would help you build out the program of what others in the industry would want to hear. When I build out my cab, I think of exactly that. They're the people I would fall back on and say, hey guys, I want to put my customer event together. I want to put an event on a particular product in my portfolio of products, and who would be the one who would help me out building that program? Or, hey guys, this month I'm going to focus on two case studies. I would love it to be this and this. Are you guys going to be free on so-and-so dates for me to do that? You start looking at how do you want to engage with these guys? Now, remember I told you before you start selecting your cab members, you speak to your sales team, your marketing team, your field marketing team in this case, or even your customer success team. It's to have intelligence on these companies and the people behind the companies. For example, I've worked with this brilliant e-commerce professional who has a huge uh, penchant for a social cause, right? especially towards women and children who are in need. So during the course of my conversations with them, adding them to the Customer Advocacy Program, I started understanding more about what she does for that particular NGO that she supports. And we gifted her a few different things to make it easier for her to get the word out. Social listening takes little amount of work, but that caused an amazing amount of experience boost for her with the company. And it had nothing to do with the technology. It had to do with the experience she had with the people, right, the vendor company that she works with. And that's what you want to do as well. You want to work on relationship building, the experience that you give them. Because your technology is going to be great, the support you give them is going to be great. Those are the given, right? You don't expect to have a customer advocacy program without having these two things in a good place. It's the additional things that your competitors are not giving them, the experience, the attention to detail that matters. In another instance, I've had customer advisory board members who were highly interested to boost their profile within that country space, that geography, or within another geography, or to meet with other members or network with others within their same industry. So this is the experience, this is the additional things you can offer them on the back of what you ask of them. Because everything has to have a give and take policy. You cannot just keep Asking, asking, asking for something only for the interest of you and your company.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and so is, is the idea there, like once you have this initial group that you've been testing these things out with, to just like continue to give them more and more value and, and to give them more opportunities. Is that the way to get from this initial group of 50 people to get to 500 people?
1: Yes, exactly. Think of any community you build out there right from the let's say a five person community that you would create you can have this word of mouth process and there are so many com- companies out there who have benefited from word of mouth marketing right and it started with the smallest community getting the best of the product the services the experiences with the product when i say experience with the product in this case it's experiences with the team and this is what customer advocacy members do is they constantly listen I mean, we've got a program where we know the birthdays of our customers and we try to have that additional touch point, that one small e-card just to let them know we're thinking about them, that we know it's their birthday and we want it to be special. Those small things matter and that will always cascade. Remember that lovely point I told you, 50% of your advocates are more likely to influence purchase. 75% of your advocates are more likely to tell about their experience with the product and the company. That's exactly it.
0: So there's a certain amount of a snowball effect here in those early days of going from just cab members to the next step up.
1: Yes. A lot of amazing companies do this really well. Now, Adobe's put out their experience program, which I think just happened in America. And they're coming up with another one uh, in EMEA as well later on this year. Uh, Reshape Insider's customer program has grown exponentially over the last two years. And we started in the pandemic time. We started when everything was shut. This literally took a life of its own. People started asking about, when is the next reshape? Who have you got speakers this year? What is your program like? They're asking us to tell them beforehand so that they can block their times to join such a customer vet. And that's the power of community that you've got to build with your cab.
0: How do you go huge with this? You're never gonna have a hundred percent of your customer base in an advocacy program, a community program. But what are the pillars that you need to have in place to go from that initial cab to okay, there's been some word of mouth, it's you know, maybe swelled up to the number of people in there is gonna vary by the company size. But then how do you take that to the not even the next step, but the, the, the 5X step of, of making this like a really big program where not everybody's in it, but like a good chunk of your customers are in this and are really engaged.
1: Even if you were lucky enough as a company to have 40% of your customers in a customer community program or a customer advocacy program, you are considered extremely, extremely well done, right? That work is great. What does it mean? Now, I normally, I use this saying a lot, Mars is the limit. You know, it's no longer the sky, it's no longer the moon, it is Mars. I'll bring this back to a point with our first Reshape Summit. In our very first event, and this was June 2020, the world was shut down. Nothing, no event was running. Every event had been cancelled. People were getting bored of webinars. There was a whole webinar fatigue happening. We ran a 18 hour event that scaled coast to coast, basically from from APAC all the way to the US. It was a marathon event. What was great about it is within the space of six weeks, we had 90 speakers. Of those, one of them, and I am really happy to say that, in our first event, which had no name, no basis, nothing at all, we had a six times ISS captain, International Space Station Captain Stephen Swanson, present at the event. And that was the power of the community Insider had built. The conversation that we wanted to take out there, the care that we had for our customers and the greater digital community, right? That's exactly what I meant. There is no limit to what you can achieve if you have a well-done program and if you can get at least 40% of your customers as your advocates, as you're building that program, right? What does that mean? How do, you, how do you scale something up? What, is the, what are the three pillars? I always go by three pillars because it's easier to focus on smaller numbers and then start building on the smaller intricacies of the, pro, of the pillar, those three pillars. Have a clear vision, clear goal. What is the progression of your customer advocacy program? Let's say my first two quarters is the number of case studies to increase or to even get my uh, name on G2 or Gartner. Have a testimonial program created. Okay, great. How do I scale that up? Will I be progressing to a customer event, let's say, in a year's time from then? Am I going to be creating a upsell program in the future from that point? All of those things. Am I going to create a customer referral program? All of that. That's basically your vision, your goal that you're creating for yourself. And that can be broken down by quarter, by semester, or by year. Right, And then you, you start building on what are the processes you need to do. Clear ownership, and this is where a lot of companies really go wrong. There is no clear ownership of the goals. Who is gonna own those goals? Who is gonna be supervising those goals? Who is needed from the stakeholder side to have agreed upon those goals before you get there? Clear ownership. Third one, invest in skills and related technologies. If you're starting off on a customer advocacy program, You don't need a gifting program, you just need to know what you want to do with the gifting program, right? You don't need to have a gifting platform, the likes of ReachDesk or similar ones out there. But you may want to use that maybe two years down the line, when your team is well-placed, but also knows what they need to do to achieve those goals. However, you need to invest in marketing technologies like a CRM system, a good automation system. You may want to invest in Zoom technologies and get your team skilled up on how to use Zoom for running different forms of events from a Zoom webinar to roundtables, etc. Those are the basic skill sets you need your team to know to be able to scale your customer uh, program and of course related technologies that matter to you within the timeframe of your program.
0: And how do you use technology to go from these like one-to-one relationships to, to one-to-many? I mean, I guess in some ways you're already starting off with one-to-many if you have one person running this and 50 cab members. But at some point when you're trying to drive G2 reviews and you're trying to, to drive case studies, you need some sort of technology or some sort of framework to be able to do this where you don't need to hire 10 people a week to keep up with this growing demand like how do you think about these right technologies to scale like these asks of advocacy if you will
1: i'll tell you the ones that i went through and i'll tell you how i see this growing up as well right currently i've used multiple crm tools multiple marketing automation tools and i've understood how to personalize email campaigns segment my customer base all of that those are the basics your team really needs to know or your One person, customer marketing team, really needs to know how they're going to use their marketing technologies better, right? Let's say I want to do 15 reviews this quarter. I have 50 cab members. Of them, I know 20 of them are the ones I want to reach out to. I would create a marketing sequence, a campaign sequence, to be able to do that kind of outreach to those people. If I want to only reach out to five for case studies per quarter, or if I want to focus on 20 of them for the whole year, then I will put them into a separate category and segment. That's where your CRM systems, your dashboards, all of this really comes to play because you're also tracking how many of them have done it. You have to let not only yourself know, but your customer success teams, your sales teams, to know that these guys are your strong advocates in your regions who have given you a case study. Otherwise, you can have the most number of case studies out there, but your sales team will not know how to find them. And then there's other things like you could create community programs. And is a great example of that. I, I never got to use you guys yet, but I have that on the back of my mind to create scalable programs using community platforms, to use event technologies, to be able to constantly bring that question back to the customers, what it is that you want to achieve with this customer advocacy board. If I want a repository of all the best videos out there with my customers, great case studies, product uh, marketing videos, you know that I want to position for my customers, I want to have a repository for it which can be both trackable and easy for the customer to find. These are technologies that companies should be investing in as they grow their customer advisory board. And of course, the community program for the customers.
0: That's great. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it reaches a point where, you know, you can only do so many of these things by throwing people at it. You need, whether it's a full-on community program or, or at least in the early days, like different automation programs to take some of the people hours out of this. So what, what haven't we talked about around scaling advocacy programs or advocacy programs in general that you think is, is good for listeners to learn about?
1: I want to go a bit more into the cab function a bit. I think I've mentioned this as well. Just because someone's agreed to be part of your cab does not mean they are going to give 24 hours of their day to you or are on beck and call for any of the customer marketers. Two things everyone in the cab community need to think about. What is the experience I have as a member of your customer advisory board? Am I just there to give you a case study? Am I just there to give you my feedback on the features you've created? Or... Am I getting something that is going to help me in my career, who's going to help me in my personal life, who's going to help me uh, to have an experience beyond just that of me using your technology? Relationships. You cannot have a customer advisory board or a customer marketing manager or a customer advocacy manager who is not good at building relationships. Now, I don't mean... They need to go out drinking. I don't mean that they need to have social evenings. That's not what I mean. You and I right now are talking down, right? We've had a few calls before this. I've enjoyed having this conversation with you. I've enjoyed understanding what it is that you've been creating with this podcast. That's exactly what I mean by relationship. Paying attention to detail. Understanding what it is that makes you tick. And being able to bring that experience within my customer advisory program that's something i want everyone to think about you don't want to think of a cab that is i'm only going to keep asking them asking them asking them asking them no what is it that i'm going to bring out to them if there's an onboarding program you want to bring in to work with your customer success teams this is exactly the point where you need to be involved and say okay guys you're going to be working with our tier one customers from now on i'm going to be working with you to make sure your onboarding experiences are phenomenal which means I could be doing something as simple as buying a Starbucks coffee. I say Starbucks right now because it's everywhere, but it could be a coffee from any of the places, or tea, as you like tea, Dan, right? From your favorite cafe. Make sure that they have that amazing experience right from the beginning of their partnership with you. That's the kind of experience you want to bring into your cab. And because you will be looking at them in the future as part of your community program, as part of your customer program, you need to think, in advance, how is it I'm going to achieve those goals? By doing something today. And it can be something very simple. It could be something as simple as just noting when is their birthday, right? Making sure everyone gets a birthday card on their birthday. Simple, right? Making sure the women in in the customer community are cherished, not just during Women's Day, but throughout the year if there are companies out there that are focusing on women programs, I definitely say you should start with both your employees and your customers. Don't forget, it's not just that they should be celebrated on Women's Day. There's a whole conversation around that that I could go into. and There's so much in in cabs, but think of the experience and the relationship you're building with your cab, and you will not go wrong. Think of the goals. Be very clear. Find owners for that. See who's going to drive and leave your customer advisory or customer advocacy program and just move with simple steps, create simple processes. You don't need to have a very complex program. Start very small and try to grow that. And as you're growing, you will see you need to add various skill sets, people who are great at data mining, people who are great at social listening, people who are great at doing better segmented email programs. You may even find that you're breaking it down from customer advocacy to customer advocacy plus customer loyalty building, or customer advocacy plus upsell, revenue retention, all of these different things will come up as you build onto your existing program. But start small, find the validity in in a two quarters, and then start looking at it. Again, if you have questions, you can always DM me. I am available on LinkedIn, and I do love having conversations around this because I believe that if we don't start working on putting this in place right now, we are doomed for failure. And it's all because there is enough data out there that says people are focusing on customer advocacy now to build their profits, to build their revenue. And it has direct impact from revenue. If you don't care about customers, and you just want to look at your revenue, think of customer advisory boards, think of customer advocacy programs.
0: I hope that you don't get a huge influx of LinkedIn messages because you just put that out there. But (laughs) if anybody wants to message Steve George on LinkedIn, he's open to chatting with all of you. So I'd like to end these conversations off, trying to make this really actionable for people. You've given a lot of short-term goals that people can think of that. I think, you know, one great takeaway for me is that a lot of this stuff can be kind of proved out in, in a few quarters, but I always like to, to focus on like what's something people can do today. So if you could give the listeners at home one piece of advice that they can implement today, tomorrow, to make themselves more customer obsessed, to get them one step in that right direction, what would that advice be?
1: Simple. If you're not sure how to set out your customer advisory program just do two things with your cmo today your cmo and your ceo or whoever is needed in that decision process what is the goal that you want to achieve in one quarter 3 months not a lot of time right to make sure this is something that is needed for your company and two look at one owner who is going to help you achieve that in a small test market right I give a very simple example here. Do two case studies in one quarter that focuses on quality, not quantity, and make sure one person is responsible for building up that case study, sourcing the best elements of the customer's usage of your dashboard, of your program, of your platform, of your service, of your consultancy, and making sure it focuses on competitor comparison, competitor analysis. What your sales teams have been getting as as rebuttals or objections all the time. Just focus on those two things. It will not take you more than three months to prove that that works. And it will take you two case studies minimum to prove that people are craving the content your customer marketing or customer advocacy program is putting out there.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. This was great. I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you,
1: Dan. It was amazing speaking with you. And of course, to the listeners of your podcast, I do wish you the best for the next set of conversations. I'll be listening in.
0: Steve's framework for testing out and growing a program is pretty simple. Understand your goals, assign the right person to run this, and then define that customer advisory board as a starting place. As you continue to provide more and more value to these advocates, things should start to snowball. That's where the technology and people come in to help this scale. You need to hire and continue to train these people and look into the right tools to help with this. At the start, there's nothing wrong with doing things manually, but you need that technology to help handle these one-to-many relationships. Steve is such a champion for customer marketing and advocacy, and for good reason. When done right, getting together large groups of your customers can be such a powerful thing. It can help drive new business, can help retain customers, and help you evolve your products. This has been the All About the Customer podcast, brought to you by Influtive. I've been your host, Dan Kalmar. Until next time, sounds like Steve George is pretty open to LinkedIn messages. So maybe just reach out to him if you have more questions about this. Sorry, Steve.